chapter 15. Last night I came downstairs around 9 o'clock from studying for Sunday night message, and I told my wife, I told Pam, I said, I'm going to flip the AM message with the PM message and the PM message with the AM message. Now, what does that mean to you? If you normally only come for AM, you need to come back tonight. Because this is not the message for you, it's tonight. So I'm sorry that it worked out that way, but I'll need you back tonight so that you can hear the message that was intended for you. Can I get a commitment? Yes. Can I get a witness? I'll tell you what, I'm fired up this morning. I'm so excited about this message. I hope you're fired up too. I don't know whether it's Mountain Dew or whether it's the Holy Spirit, but either way, I'm good with that. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't had any Mountain Dew this morning. Let me find my notes in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In less than 12 hours from now, the Discovery Channel will air a feature documentary film that purports to present the most significant archaeological discovery in the last thousand years. Supporters of the film suggest that the evidence presents slams Christianity. The premise of the movie as presented is that DNA and statistical probabilities that the bones of Jesus, the son of Joseph, have been found. Furthermore, the movie suggests that Jesus was married and had a son. God forbid. All this is based on the discovery of an ossuary, which is a lime box, I'll show you in a picture in a minute, used to store the bones of the dead people after their skin has decayed. The significance of this box rests on two claims. First, the names that are listed on the box and the results of DNA studies done on the bones in the box. Having not seen the movie yet, all that I present this morning is based on what the Discovery Channel's website and the Lost Tomb of Joseph's web, Jesus website present about the movie and the evidence. Additionally, a book is to be released in conjunction with the movie that allegedly proves the significance of the discovery. My intent this morning is to show you how far-reaching the implications and the issues are with associates saying that the flesh of Jesus saw corruption and his manes remained on this earth. The men associated with the film attempt to downplay their allegations, suggesting that a spiritual resurrection is sufficient and that nothing changes Christ's teaching. But I'm here to tell you today that that's not the case. The possibility exists that you will have co-workers and friends that will watch this movie tonight that doesn't air until 9 p.m. Plenty of time to be in here and then out in time. Just to let you know. I can manage your time for you tonight if you need me to. Just let me know. In fact, the opposite is the case. The opposite is the case. Now, the idea that Christ did not rise from the dead is not new. The Apostle Paul was debating this 2,000 years ago. Pick up your Bibles and let's read together. Stand, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, the entire chapter 15 is awesome, and time does not permit us to read it. But if you ever need to read something about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, go to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Mark that down in your Bible. Verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom you raised not, 
not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I pray right now that you would give me the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Help me, O God, to completely yield to you. Lord Jesus, help me to preach this message the way you were if you were standing in this pulpit 2,000 years later. And you were trying to encourage and equip a congregation that is called to be salt and light at the job site and in the neighborhood. Lord, do a work this morning. Perhaps, Lord God, there was someone here who is not fully convinced of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Perhaps there's someone here this morning that does not have a personal relationship with you. Oh God, give them the gift of faith today as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what you're going to see. These are the advertisements. This is the garbage. This is the propaganda. That within this tomb right here, there are ossuaries or lime boxes that have been found. And in one of these boxes are four names. And they suspect, is what's being purported, that's being suggested, that the bones of Jesus Christ... The bones of Mary Magdalene, his wife, and the bones of a son are all in this box. And we are going to be bombarded with this in the weeks to come. And what I'm here to tell you is people know you're a Baptist, they know you're a Christian, and they expect you to be able to give an answer about this movie right here. My job this morning is to equip you to be able to give that answer. Now they present everything as though they are so scientific, so educated... The doctors are involved. All the PhDs are there. They present it in such a way that all they're trying to do is to help us find more evidence that there really was a Jesus of Nazareth. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ's bones are in a lime box, then I don't care about that Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? And I mean that with my entire heart. If the bones of Jesus are in a box then I don't need that Jesus. The Jesus I need, I haven't even started preaching yet, I'm just getting warmed up. The Jesus that I need is resurrected. The Jesus that I need over here is the Jesus that has the power to take the dead and make them come alive again. That's the Jesus I need. I don't need another one to throw out some good words or some clever teachings or some nice sayings. Now, I love that, and I support that, and I read it, but there's one reason I do that. And that's because he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And he proved that through the resurrection. This is what you're going to see if you watch the movie, if you go to the website. These are the boxes right here. What they did with these boxes was after the body was decayed, they would go in, the flesh is all gone, gather up the bones, measure the largest bone, say it's 26 inches, custom make a box that big, and then throw the other all bones on there. Then they would put some names on the side of it right here. The box that they found has these names on it right here. 
what they're going to tell us, what they're going to show us, is the statistical probabilities that this is Jesus Christ. That's all they're doing. They're taking a bunch of numbers and running it through. Is Hope here this morning? Hope, you know about numbers, don't you, Hope? They say that uh, numbers lie and liars use numbers or something like that. There's a clever saying like that. No, I mean, the, the reality is you can take numbers and statistics and do anything you want with them. And that's all they're doing. What they're saying is how many people in that area would have had the name Mary? How many people in that area would have had the name Joseph? How many of the people would have had the name Jesus? How many of the people in that area would have had this? And then they say, okay, based on this, this, and this, the probability is 1 in 600 that this has to be Jesus of Nazareth's box. Give me a break. That's what I'm here to tell you. You know what this film's all about? There's one thing that this film's all about. It's making money. That's all it's all about. It's just about making money. That's it. It's all about making money. What's the secondary thing behind that making money? Because I don't want to account to Jesus Christ. So everything that I can do to show that he's not the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings makes me less accountable to him. Who is called, this is what they say, Jesus, son of Joseph. The problem with this, Pastor Brian, is that nobody calls Jesus the son of Joseph. You can't find any historical records in the Gospels, outside of the Gospels. Nobody calls Jesus the son of Joseph. They call him Jesus of Nazareth. They call him the man from Galilee. They call him everything other than this Jesus, the son of Joseph. They suggest that it was his followers that put this on the box. But his followers knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus, the son of Joseph. Because his followers believed that he was the son of God. The second thing they're going to tell you is that there's DNA. Now they're throwing around this DNA. And they throw that around. You know why they do that? Because it sounds like it's intelligent. Let me just throw some DNA out there. What they've done is they've tested some bones. And they took the bones of what this could have been. There's a bigger bone. This must have been Jesus' bone. This is a smaller bone. This must have been his wife's bone. And they tested the DNA and said that the two show that they're not related through the mother. So that must mean they were married. But here's the problem, church. Nobody knows Jesus' DNA. It's ridiculous. It wouldn't stand up in a court of law for a half a second. The, court, the judge would throw it out. They're suggesting that, that they're proving something by a ridiculous presentation. There was no DNA evidence in those days. In the military and the army have to do a DNA sample now and they store it away somewhere. They had nothing like that back then. So nobody knows Jesus' DNA. And let me tell you something. You can be sure of one thing. That it's different than any other person that ever walked on the face of this planet. Because he didn't have a male for a father. The Holy Spirit conceived him. And when the Holy Spirit gets involved in conception, it's a completely different DNA. Y, X, and all that is completely different. And they're discounting all of it. And they present themselves as super intelligent. And they're going to be so smart that they're going to burn in a pit of hell. That's a fact. This is what they suggest. Even if Jesus' body was moved from one tomb to another, however, that does not mean that he could not have been resurrected from the second tomb. Belief in the resurrection is based not on which tomb he was buried in, but on the alleged sightings of Jesus that occurred after his burial and documents. Let me continue. This is their theory that they purport. It's so ridiculous. They suggest that this was the first tomb that Jesus was buried in. And then sometime during that three days period, 
that the disciples transferred him over to another tomb. And he stayed in that tomb for approximately one year so that the flesh could de- decay. And then after that one year, his bones were moved inside that to th- this uh, ossuary right here. Okay, that's the, that's the theory right here. Originally put in here, that's the one that Joseph and Marathe gave, you know, provided the initial one. Well, that's the one that was empty. The reason it was empty is because they moved him to this one. He stayed in this one for a year until his flesh fell off his bones. Then they gathered up, put it in here, and that's how he got in this box. Furthermore, they suggest that everything about the resurrection is spiritual. I'm going to show you the implications of that. I'm going to show you the implications from God's word. And I'm going to show you the implications of the apostles and what it says to the apostles. And my purpose this morning, number one, is to convince the naysayers here this morning. There's no doubt a crowd this large, somebody is not convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Somebody is lost and dying on their way to hell. That's the reality. Somebody this morning does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Furthermore, most of you are going to go out into a world and work with people who will not go to church tonight. They're going to watch this television show at 9 o'clock. And when they ask you about it, you've got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. My job is to equip you so that you have something that you can say that replies to their questions. So first, let's talk about Thomas. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within him, and Thomas with them, and came to Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. And Jesus said, Peace be still unto thee, or peace be unto thee. Then saith he, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold, my hands, and reach hither my hand, and thrust it in my side. Be not faithless, but be believing. And this is one artist's rendition of it. Reaching in here and grabbing a hold of the hole. Real skin, real hands, real feet. Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. One of the greatest testimonies ever in the entire scripture. When he said, my Lord and my God. And what I'm here to tell you is, he's my Lord and my God too. Is he your Lord and your God? Is he, can you get a witness? Is your hand okay this morning? It's okay to lift your hands up. You know what? You're going to go to heaven and have to lift those hands up. And some of you are going to say, Lord, I didn't do it for 50 years on this earth. I'm not about to start now. A couple of centuries, a story was circulated in the Mediterranean world that he, we're talking about Thomas. This is the ancient church history about Thomas. That he had gone all the way to India, and there was a Christian community in India that claims descended from Christians converted by the preaching of Thomas. Now, what makes this so awesome is that in the 1600s, the Portuguese discovered a community in India that claimed to be Christians. They were following Christians and traced their heritage all the way back to the Apostle Thomas. So this is what we know about Thomas. That he preached the gospel through Iraq, Iran, through Pakistan, no boats, no planes, down into India... And in this area right here is where he finally settled. And there's a church, a Christian community to this day that still claims association with the Apostle Thomas. Now let me tell you something. Nobody preaches that long, that far, with that level of commitment for a spiritual resurrection. Nobody does that. Nobody's fully convinced to give their entire life 
and to go the distance and to travel by foot and to be persecuted and go all that he did and preach and preach and preach from a spirit. What is it that convinced Thomas? He reached out there and grabbed some flesh. So don't you for one second allow this film or these, um, quote, um, scholars suggest to you in any way, shape, or form that a spiritual resurrection is acceptable. So we're talking about the implications to this book, our Bible, and these men, his apostles. John 2, 18 and 21. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou rear it up? But he spake of the temple of his body. Now, this was written by the apostle John after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there are two scenarios here. John, you're just as confused as can be. Or somebody's lying. No way around it. They understood when they saw his resurrected body that he was talking about the temple of his body. Acts 2, 30 and 32. Wherefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with the oath unto him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, would he, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. So now what this says, now follow me please, what this says is if the movie's right and the documentary evidence is correct, then this scripture is garbage. It's untrustworthy. There's no other way that you can explain it. And what I'm so disappointed in is all the scholars that they get on Fox News, CNN, and everywhere else, none of them will come out and explain this. You know what they say? They say stuff like, I need to see more evidence. Bless God, I don't need to see more evidence. There's a bunch of Christians out there that are being lulled into thinking that a spiritual resurrection would work. Okay, well, there can't be a physical resurrection. Let's go with plan B. There ain't no plan B. Luke 24, 37 and 40. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So that's what they thought. They thought they'd seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you so troubled? And why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, that is myself. Handle me and see for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. You know why Jesus did this? Because he knew that people would be suggesting that a spiritual ascension occurred. And that a spiritual resurrection occurred. And so he went out of his way to make sure. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. Here they are, right here, my feet. See them? Flesh. My hands. My body. Let me tell you something. A spiritual resurrection does not empower men to turn the world upside down. It doesn't do it. Men have been talking about seeing spirits and ghosts from the creation of time. But when you see the resurrected Jesus, it changes your life. 
Please, please see the significance of this this morning. Please see the significance of this. We have to be prepared to give an answer. An answer. An intelligent answer. We have to be ready to be salt and light. What they're doing is they're pulling pages out of the Bible. What they're doing is casting these men, they're liars. They're false witnesses. They're frauds. They're phonies. They say, they, they say that they're not doing that. They are doing it. He ate. He ate. He ate. The resurrected Jesus ate. They ate fish back then. I don't care for fish so much, but they ate fish back then. He might have went to Logan's or Texas Roadhouse if he was alive today. Got a good steak. You reckon he had A1 on it? Oh, Pastor, you're being foolish. My point is that he ate. Luke 24, and it came to pass as he sat at meat. He ate with them. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Their eyes were open. The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. That's what they said. <clears throat> you know one of the primary responsibilities a preacher has? It's to protect the sheep. It's to protect the sheep. From what? From wolves. From wolves that are coming in. Wolves who are liars. Wolves who have a pack lies. And all this is is a lie right from the pit of hell. Just like the Da Vinci Code and everything else. Of all the people, the Sadducees would have exposed Christ's resurrection as a deception if they had been able to do so. It was the inconvertible actuality of the empty tomb and the resurrected Christ and the consequent refutation of their own doctrine of no resurrection which goaded them onto such acts of violence against the early church. What this doctor's point is so well taken. Number one, what he tells us is that if Jesus Christ was in a tomb somewhere, you better believe those Sadducees would have found that body and they would have presented it. Because the Sadducees did not believe in a physical resurrection. You recall, that's the divide between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees choir taught a spiritual resurrection. The Pharisees taught a physical resurrection. What better proof, what better proof to equip the Sadducees that they were correct and the Pharisees were incorrect and to stop the mouths of all the apostles than to carry out a dead body and say, this is Jesus right here. We crucified him, you buried him, and now you're telling a lie. But it never happened. There's not, I'm talking about extra biblical material. There's not one shred of any evidence in the Gospels, outside of the Gospels, that anyone ever found the burial spot or the body. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? The resurrected Jesus Christ changes lives. And he can change your life too. Everything that Christ said about this whole Jonah thing doesn't make a lick of sense if it was a spiritual resurrection. 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. A wicked and adulterous generation seeking after a sign, that's where we're at right now, that's 21st century right there. And there shall no sign be given but the sign of the prophet of Jonas. And he left them and departed. You know what came out of that whale's belly? It wasn't the spirit of Jonah. It was Jonah. It wasn't the spirit of Jonah. It was Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh. Jonah copped an attitude. Yeah, that's true. You read the story, you know. That was Jonah. A real physical Jonah. And Jesus is saying here, just like a real physical Jonah came out of that belly, I'm coming out too. Not my spirit, but me. Here's the theory. Here's the theory. This is what they want us to believe. Don't don't worry about it. This doesn't really cast too much doubt on your Christianity. You can still go forward with Christianity. Just recognize that he went from this tomb to this tomb, spent a year or so here, then into this box, and we found his bones. The entire title about the Son of Man, and we'll say more about the Son of Man in in the Sundays to come, but the entire title of the Son of Man emphasized the humanity of Jesus Christ. The humanity. Every time you read in your Gospels about the Son of Man, you're reading the emphasis that the author, through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, placed on the fact that Jesus Christ was a human being. That is to say, he's 100% man and 100% God at the exact same time. And so this scripture right here doesn't make a lick of sense. That's a southern expression. You need a translator? Do I need to bring somebody in here to translate a lick of sense? Not much at all. Hogwash. Foolishness. Stupidity. And they came down from the mountain. He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. Not the Spirit of Christ, the Son of Man. You see, you see this, I'm not just preaching a message on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching a message on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. The bodily resurrection. The same flesh that was on the cross is the same flesh they saw three days later. Same flesh. Saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. This is after the resurrection. This is the first woman that he appears to. Jesus does. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet. 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 You don't hold, Clark, you don't hold a spirit by the feet. You don't hold a spirit by the feet over here. You don't grab a hold of a spirit's feet. Feet. Nobody is getting on the television saying this. Nobody's doing this. As I watch these news encounters, nobody is calling the church's attention to these scriptures. Nobody is suggesting the fact that if it was in fact 
not a bodily resurrection, then discount Matthew, discount Mark, discount Luke, discount John, throw out Acts. Nobody is showing us. It's a little clique that they have in this academic community. They entertain each other with their big degrees and fancy scholarly reports. Answer me this question. Answer me this question. Jesus said unto Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, touch me not. Please tell me over this side of the church, please tell me why Jesus would have to say, touch me not, if he was only a spirit. You don't have to worry about touching a spirit. You can whap your hands through a ghost. But when there's a flesh on that spirit of Christ, then you've got to worry about not touching it over here on this side of the church. Luke 24, 15. This is the ascension. The spiritual ascension is what you're going to hear about. The spiritual resurrection and the spiritual ascension is what you're going to hear about. And Luke 24, 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands. That's Jesus. Jesus lifted up his hands at the ascension. Jesus did. And then the angel said, this same Jesus that you see is coming back. Well, when I read Revelation, Brian, I see someone's coming back with some flesh. Let's talk about this right here. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. Pastor, what's your point here? Stay with me. Stay with me here. At the, at the crucifixion, we got a bunch of cowards. That's what they are. They're a bunch of cowards. By their own account, they're a bunch of cowards. They're hiding. They're fleeing. They're scared to death. They thought Jesus was going to come in a real physical um, kingdom and win the uh, Jews their freedom. That didn't happen. They're confused as can be. They're cowards at this point. They're timidly. And then something happens three days later, and you've got these men that are boldly declaring, should we obey you or God? Now let me tell you something right now. A spiritual ascension and a spiritual resurrection does not do that. The greatest testimony that we have outside of your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ when he convicts you of your spirit, if you're looking for external evidence over here on this side, if you're looking for external evidence to the ascension of Jesus Christ, the resurrection is study the life of the apostles. Study their lives. Do you know nobody denies the existence of Matthew? Nobody denies the existence of James. Nobody denies the existence of these men. Nobody denies their existence. Nobody denies the existence of Paul. Go to Macedonia. Go to Kosovo. Go to these parts. You'll see all kinds of historical evidence for the existence of Paul. What was it that caused Paul to change? What was it that caused him to become an incredible, dedicated, missionary, bold witness for Jesus Christ? Choir, you can be sure of one thing. It wasn't a spiritual resurrection. Church, grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of it and take it home this afternoon. Grab a hold of it and bring it into the workplace tomorrow. Look for an opportunity to share something. Look for, listen closely. And when you hear someone say Discovery Channel, listen even more closely. Go to the water cooler and hang out a little longer, looking for a chance. 
Get up tomorrow morning. Get up tomorrow morning and say, Lord Jesus, give me an opportunity to be a bold witness for you tomorrow. Pastor, preach hard, and I'm ready to be a witness for you. Lord Jesus, there's someone out there that needs to hear the truth. Let me be that witness. Yeah, there you go. Picture says a lot. There you go. You, you, you mean to tell me, this is what's being suggested. That the whole time they knew that the body was in that tomb. And that they presented this whole thing as a pack of lies. Can you imagine? Let me tell you something. Nobody gets inside that area right there with them lions based on that. Can you imagine what's being suggested, Brother King, is that in the back of your mind, you're thinking the whole time, Jesus is not resurrected. He's really in the tomb. I put him in the tomb, and I can't wait to move his bones to a box. Okay, do you all over here, do you, do you see how significant this is? Over this side, do you, do you see how significant this is? How ludicrous it is? How ridiculous it is? Choir, do you got it? How about over this side? Here, I'm coming to y'all. Do you understand how ridiculous it is to suggest that 12 men and many others turned the world upside down knowing that Jesus was in a tomb, dead as can be? All right, let's talk about implications for today and then we'll be wrapping it up. Here it is. Pastor Brian, there's nothing more to say. Go home. Go home, Bob. Go home. Close the doors. Close the doors. Ain't no need to read this book. It's a pack of lies. Close the doors. Do something else more productive on your Sunday mornings than worshiping the king. You golf? You can start a golfing club, Sunday morning golfing club. Eat breakfast at IHOP and then golf for the rest of the day. We get exercise out of that. How come you're being so facetious? Because I want to show you how ridiculous what they're suggesting is. Because what they're suggesting is that they can have a spiritual resurrection and go on with Christianity. You don't go on with Christianity with a spiritual resurrection. You need a bodily resurrection to go on with Christianity. You need every verse in this Bible to be true. All of them. You know what this suggests? All these folks right here through all the centuries, all the different denominations, all of them, were just out there flapping. ODF. Lost. Just completely confused. All falling alive. Read this with me, if you will, please. Let's read it together, because this is incredible. This is the director of the film. The only thing he has to his name is Titanic. Now, all of a sudden, he's an expert and ready to talk to us about documentary films of Jesus Christ. I think we will certainly be those that will say we are attempting in some way to undermine Christianity. That's me right there to talking about. I'm right there. I think there will certainly be some that will say that we are attempting. Yeah, that's me. I'm saying that. I fit in that plural pronoun right there. Put my name in there. Cameron said, 
Monday morning at a press conference in New York. Instead, the documentary that follows the discovery of the tomb of Jesus and his family celebrates their existence. Man, I tell you, there's nothing to celebrate. Nothing to celebrate. If there's no bodily resurrection, there's nothing to celebrate. What this film and the investigation that the film shows is, available, is able to bring to light is for the first time tangible, physical, archaeological. See how they throw those adjectives in there back to back? Sounds so intelligent. In some cases, forensic evidence. When, when the average lay person hears the word forensic, they just fall over, collapse. Oh, they got forensic. I don't even need to think anymore. Been watching too much CSI and not spending enough time in God's Word. Then they throw in DNA evidence. Sounds so good. Forensic, DNA, scientific. Man, the average Christian goes, I'm done. Not brains. You know why? They search the Word. They search the Word. They search the Word, Pastor Brian, to see whether things are so. The message that Jesus delivered 2,000 years ago resounds even today. You know why he can say that? Because he's lost. That's why. Because he's not a new creature in Christ. The Holy Spirit's not inside him. He's not a changed man. He's lost. He needs the gospel. My feeling, as if we care, my feeling is that his message of compassion, humility, Love and forgiveness is every bit as much needed now in this divisive, materialistic, and war-torn. They love to throw that war-torn in there. He's talking about materialistic. He's encouraging materialism. This is what he doesn't realize, Brother Harris. Is that this Jesus is a lunatic or a liar. That's right. Because he said, I'm going in the belly. I'm coming out three days later. He said, this temple represents a body. He said, this is my flesh. Touch me. All those were apocalyzed or he was clinically insane. If he was a liar, I'm not interested in following him. If he was insane, I'm certainly not interested in following him. Therefore, I don't care what he said about compassion and humility and love and forgiveness. May I remind you that Jesus Christ is not only the Lamb of God, but he's the Lion of Judah. And as the Lion of Judah, he rose from that grave. And the reason he needed to rise from that grave is because he had a throne that he was going to sit on, and you don't sit on a throne with the Spirit. Could you all get fired up like me this morning? Paul's thoughts about this. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching's in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Christ is a reference to the Messiah. The Messiah was the one that was coming to sit on the throne of David. The Messiah was not a spirit. The Messiah was a man. He was a descendant of David, and he was going to occupy the same throne. Paul often said the Spirit of Christ, or occasionally said the Spirit of Christ. If he wanted to say the Spirit, he would have said it right here. But what he said was Christ. And let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, I'm nothing but a bag of hot air. All the preaching is in vain. 
All I am is a worn out, loud, obnoxious mouthpiece. Useless. Every bit of it. I have no idea how any preacher who subscribes to a spiritual ascension and a spiritual resurrection can get in the pulpit in the morning and preach. No idea. No idea what they'd say. No idea how they'd say it. What their backing would be. What would motivate them. I have no clue. Paul's saying here, when he says, your faith is also in vain, he's saying here that the very guts of the gospel is ripped out. The entire premise of Christianity is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul's finished. He's done. He's saying here, I'm done. Furthermore, he says in verse 15, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God. They're all a bunch of frauds and phonies. Every one of them. In the back, way over there in the back. Rondi, all the way in the back over there. If Paul and all of them, if there was no resurrection, they're all a pack of liars. Every one of them. Biggest frauds and phonies you ever saw. And my question to you is, what was their motivation? It wasn't money. It wasn't money. They didn't get, they didn't get wealthy over this thing. They're not like today's prosperity preachers that have limos and Lear jets and live in big houses. There's no evidence of that. None of the apostles got wealthy over the gospel. They all died a miserable life. And my question to you this morning is, what motivated them then? See, I understand it when that preacher gets on there and starts lying on television because he's getting wealthy as can be. So I see what his motivation is. Money's his motivation. He tells you to give so he can give so we can all get. And really, he's the only one getting wealthier. All right, let's wrap it up. The conclusion. In brief, if Jesus wasn't resurrected in the same physical body, then God lost in his purpose to create a physical world because the physical world was destroyed and never restored. If, Jesus, if, if God can't even restore the body of Jesus Christ, then how in the world is he going to make a new heaven and a new earth? How in the world is he going to make you a new body if he can't even do it for Jesus Christ? God also lost in salvation because Jesus' physical body died but was never brought back to life. The entire purpose of calling Lazarus forth from the grave was to demonstrate that he had the power to do the same thing with himself. As well, Christ lied because he looked at his disciples in Luke 24, 39 and said, See, my hands and my feet. That is my eye myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Furthermore, there's no hope that you'll see your loved ones in heaven. Every funeral is now a waste of time. Don't sing anything. Don't look forward to an eternity. Don't look forward to seeing your lost mother, your, your, your mother or father that's passed away and you know they're in Christ. Because if God can't even do it with Jesus Christ, what makes you think he can do it with your mother or father? But nobody is saying this on television for some reason. 
Carl, Pastor Ken, we need to make sure we have lots of these DVDs. Folks, you need to be prepared to give somebody a DVD at work when you hear them talking about this. Because they're not hearing it on Fox, they're not hearing it on CNN, they're not hearing it on Discovery Channel. That might be the best 4 or $5 you spend in your entire life. You might see a soul get saved from that. That's right. Soul's still getting saved. God's still changing lives. If Jesus wasn't raised in the physical body, then God failed. Christ lied, and there's no hope beyond the grave. It don't get any better than that. God failed, Christ lied, and there's no hope. That's why Paul says right here, 1519, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, which is exactly what the documentary is saying. Listen to me and I'm done. Listen, please. The documentary suggests that the teaching of Jesus Christ is still applicable today. That he was a good man. We can still listen to him. We can still read what he has to say. But Paul said, if all we're doing is reading about this life, then we're most miserable. Most miserable. Stand if you will, please. No one moving around yet, please. No one moving around. Counselors, please don't move. I have no doubt this morning that there's someone in this auditorium that does not have a personal relationship with the resurrected Lord. You know, you know for sure, as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit of the living God was convicting you beyond recognition. You just, it was overwhelming to you. You know that you don't have a sure foundation. You know that the resurrected Jesus Christ has not changed your life. And I'm here to tell you, today's your day of salvation. God the Father is drawing you to himself. You wouldn't be here if God wasn't drawing you. People think they got up in church and went on their own. You went on your own because God was drawing you. And he desires to see your soul saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Not a single one. He desires that all. Christ died for everyone. Choir of the entire world. His atoning sacrifice on the cross is not limited. It's sufficient for everyone. You too. Now let's pray. Father God in heaven, you who raised Jesus Christ from the grave, you who are looking down from heaven and looking across from the lives of believers because you're everywhere. To say you're looking down, you're looking up, you're looking left and right, you look everywhere all at the same time. You know what ridiculousness is being suggested by this director and these archaeologists and these scholars. You know what a pack of lies it is. Holy Spirit of living God, confirm in the hearts of your people this truth. If the resurrected Jesus Christ has changed your life, give testimony of that with uplifted hand. Give testimony of that with uplifted If the resurrected Jesus Christ has changed your life, would you testify of that? Would you hold him up high and just kind of wave your hand at Jesus and tell him you love him? Amen. Now, is there someone in here that couldn't put your hand up? Look at me, please. If you couldn't put your hand up, would you get my attention if you couldn't put your hand up? Is there someone here that needs to receive Jesus Christ? 
Is there someone here that needs to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? In just a minute, we're going to sing. In just a minute, we're going to pray. And I'm going to encourage you to leave where you're at and come and hear the gospel presentation. Father God in heaven, do a work that only you can do in your church. Draw people to yourself right now. Draw that lost soul to yourself. Give them the faith to believe, the courage to step, the willingness to be obedient. Give them, oh God, all that they need to be saved, and may they be obedient to your drawing and calling at the same time. Folks, some of you need to come down and pray about tomorrow, pray about Tuesday. Pray right now that God will give you all the courage you need to be a witness at work. You know that there's a person that you've been working with that's lost, and this, this documentary could be the tool that you use to start the conversation. Come right now and pray if you desire. Come right now if you need to be scripturally baptized, if you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, but you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized by immersion. You haven't been baptized the right way. We have some that are going to dedicate their children this morning. Come and do that right now. Come forward. Father God, draw people to yourself in your precious name. Let's sing together. Come just as you are. Come just as you are. God's gift of salvation is available this morning, this afternoon, tonight. But we should never presume that God's going to call us when we want to be called. That's a very presumptuous thing. I'll get saved. No, you won't. We don't determine our day of salvation. God's the sovereign God. He calls and he draws. And you know what we need to be? Obedient. Obedient. 
What a miserable scenario it would be if you walked out those doors, lost as can be, without knowing that Jesus Christ can be your Savior. Every pastor, every deacon, faith worker is ready to share the gospel with you. Don't leave here today without an assurance that the resurrected Jesus Christ can change your life the way he's changed my life and every other life in this church. Let's be seated. John and Summer DuPont are coming together to present themselves as a married couple who are rededicating and committing themselves to full-time Christian service. John has spent a lot of time with Pastor Brian in uh, counseling and talking and understanding God's will for his life. And my understanding is that you are called to preach. Preach the word, brother. The whole council. We don't need anybody else to compromise. No more compromises. We need preachers that will get up there and rip. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for this decision. This, oh God, is a public presentation of a commitment first and foremost to you and to a unique and divine call to preach the word. I pray, Lord God, that you would equip both John and Summer. She, O oh God, will need you more now than ever before. I pray, God, that they would draw closer to you as they draw to each other. I pray, Lord God, that as John boldly declares the world and his opportunities to preach, that they would realize